Just a quick heads up, the people I talk to in this podcast have gone through major changes and challenges in their lives. So on occasion, there will be very explicit language and content. You have been warned. I screamed at in court. I said, guilty of what? You know, and the jury walked out with their heads all hung down. This is Changed, the podcast about life's unexpected events and how we deal with them. I mean, it's just so stressful trying to deal with this. You know, we have lives too. But, you know, when you're tied down like this, you know, this is hemp 24 hours a day for both of us. That puts you under a great deal of stress. What exactly is so stressful about your current situation? You know, we're literally swamped every day with stupid questions, you know, from people that are actually answered right on our website if they would just sit and take the time to read it. You know, and this, this eats up so much of our time. And then there's always patients that want to meet with me. There's always people that want to do interviews. And I have to go here. I have to go there. If you are a healthy person who stays away from illegal substances, chances are you have never heard the name Rick Simpson before. For marijuana enthusiasts and people with diseases, cancer in particular, he's a celebrity. The Canadian is a cannabis activist who has been fighting for the worldwide legalization of cannabis for the last 20 years. Although his interest in the plant started rather late in life. Yeah, I never started using cannabis until I was about 35 years old. And I soon found out really how harmless it, you know, it really was. But I, I never looked at cannabis as being a medicine, you know. So uh, many years later, in 1997, I suffered a severe head injury at work, which left me with a condition called post-concussion syndrome. One day, while working in a boiler room, he accidentally inhales toxic vapor from a spray, passes out and hits his head on a small boiler. The injury is so severe that Rick is unable to return to work. You see, when you have this, like, it's like living with a siren in your head. And when you have a condition like this, there's no escape. Really, what happens is the noise takes over your life. And how were you treated for this condition? They put me in all types of pharmaceuticals. And then uh, about a year after I was injured, I was watching an episode of The Nature of Things. It's a show that Dr. David Suzuki in Canada puts out. And it was showing all these people using cannabis to, you know, for some very serious medical problems. So I went out and I got some cannabis from a friend of mine, and sure enough, it, it worked better than anything the doctors were giving me. You know, and in Canada at that time, we had the medical marijuana access program. So, I, you know, I started asking doctors for a prescription, and I told them that, you know, the cannabis, just smoking the cannabis actually works better than what they're providing. The doctors are reluctant. They tell Rick that cannabis is still being studied and refuse to prescribe it to him. So Rick continues on with the regular medication, but his condition gets worse. Constant headaches, insomnia, a loud ringing in his head that never stops. Rick sees one specialist after another, but none of them are able to help. By 1999, the effects uh, of these medications they were giving me uh, were making me suicidal. In what way? What effect did they have? Well, none of the medications that they gave me allowed me to sleep. And that's what I needed most because the noise would not let me get the rest I required. 
So I was wandering, wandering around in a, in a state of constant exhaustion. So in 1999, I, I got thinking about it, and I thought, well, if cannabis helps me, you know, just by smoking it, well, what would happen if I, you know, took a solvent and I washed the medicinal parts of the plant off with the solvent and then filtered it and boiled the solvent off, you know, to make like an essential oil. So I asked my doctor this question uh, when I was in his office one day, and he gave me this very strange look, but he did admit that this would be, you know, a much more medicinal way to use this plant. But again, no prescription. So anyway, I went home and I produced some extract. And, you know, with all these doctors staying away from it, I, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. But anyway, the extract sat there for almost three years without me using it. So when did you actually start taking the extracts then? So um, about three years later, in late 2001, my doctor called me into this, his office and he told me point blank that there was nothing more they could do for me. I was now on my own. So, I mean, I asked him again for another prescription. Again, I was refused. And uh, so having nowhere else to turn, I went home and I started ingesting these extracts. And uh, do you remember what happened? How did you feel when you took it for the first time? This stuff was just knocking me out. I mean, I was sleeping like a baby. And then suddenly my blood pressure came under control. I started losing weight. The extract did not take the, the noise away. So with the use of these extracts, it made it so I could live with it. You know, this is the only substance I've seen that could would allow this. So, uh, I mean, I was I was totally amazed. And the people around me, they were very impressed because, you know, I was in a very bad situation because the effects of those pills had had on me that uh, made it so bad that I could hardly even remember my own name. So Rick gets a break. He's feeling better, able to socialize and take part in everyday activities. He grows cannabis in his backyard and continues to produce cannabis oil or extracts, as he calls it. Then, Rick is diagnosed with basal cell carcinoma, a type of skin cancer. And about a week afterwards, I was sitting there looking at where they had operated, you know, in the area they had operated on. For some reason or another, a report I had heard on our local radio station back in the mid-1970s popped back into my mind. And this report had stated that THC, the, the active ingredient in marijuana, had been found to kill cancer cells. For some reason, I felt compelled to take a little bit of this extract and put it on the other two lesions, the one on my cheek and the one on my chest. So I really didn't think that, you know, uh, the, the THC or whatever these extracts had done anything. Four days later, when I removed the bandages, both areas were completely healed, just pink skin. Rick is so enthusiastic about these results, and he starts telling his friends that he cured his skin cancer with cannabis oil. The reaction is less than friendly. Oh, some of them just laughed in my face. You know, yeah, right, Rick, you know, <laughs> marijuana cures cancer. You know, I, I mean, this is the way most people looked at it. Did you tell your doctor about this? So I tried, to, I tried to arrange a meeting with the doctor to discuss all of this, but the minute they found out that this was about hemp oil, uh, he wouldn't even talk to me. So um, anyway, I went home, and then I started distributing to people, other people that were suffering from many different skin conditions, And then shortly afterwards, I started supplying it to people with terminal cancers. Word gets out. Rick is convinced that he has discovered the cure for cancer. He builds a website where he describes his findings and tells people how to make their own extract. He wants everybody to just make their own oils. But cannabis is still illegal in Canada, with the exception of medical use with a prescription. 
So instead of growing the plant, people from all over the province and beyond come to Rick to get the oil from him directly. And he gives it to them, free of charge. Day and most nights, Rick focuses on growing weed and making oil. He has found a new job, albeit with no income, and it quickly becomes a routine. So I remember like the first cancer patients, uh, like, you know, someone would come to my door after taking the treatment and, uh, you know, I'm cancer free, you know, and for the rest of the day, I'd be floating about a foot off the ground. It was just this wonderful feeling to know that you could help these people this way. But as time went on and on, you, you get over that. You just get used to it, you know, like, oh, we cured your cancer. Well, that's nice, but so what? <laughs> Rick is eager to share his knowledge. He had learned about the medicinal use of cannabis from the media. They would be interested in this. Also, he figures, so would the people in charge. I just thought, well, the government doesn't know. So I went to every political party in Canada. I went to two federal ministers of health. I went to Dr. David Suzuki at the Nature of Things. I went to the Canadian Cancer Society. We even took this to the United Nations. No one would lift a finger. No one would do a thing. So in 2004, I went to the local newspapers, and they did big articles about, you know, what I was doing. <laughs> what, you went to the media, even though what you were doing was illegal? I wasn't hiding anything. I mean, my God, I was growing the plants, making the extracts, and giving them away. And how did that go? They interviewed patients, you know, that I had treated with these extracts, but the papers turned around and lied. One patient there from McCann, he had a bad case of cancer on his cheek. So when the, when the guy from the paper interviewed him, the patient told him, you know, that he had suffered with cancer. But when they put it in the paper, it was this extract had healed up some sores on a man's face. Then a young filmmaker contacts Rick. He has found the website and is fascinated by Rick's findings. Together, they film a documentary. Twelve patients agreed to be interviewed for this film. Rick sends the film to media outlets all over Canada. And then he decides to take things a step further. I took a copy of it right into the local detachment of the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. You know, the guys with the hats and the red jackets. And I told them that uh, local politicians should be charged with criminal negligence causing death. Because I'd been to them all and none of them would do a damn thing. You know, and I also told them openly that, they, that I was growing cannabis in my backyard. I never hit a the fact at all. And I even asked them for the high-quality bud that they confiscated so I could produce more medicine. Three months later, that same detachment came and raided me. They charged me with uh, cultivation, uh, possession, and trafficking. According to an article from the Cumberland News, the police cut down about 800,000 Canadian dollars worth of cannabis in Rick's backyard. They confiscate the oil left at his house, and Rick has to spend the night in jail. Then, a few months later, he appears in court where he represents himself. Rick is facing years in prison. And it, it truly disgusted me because when I gave my testimony in that court to the jury, I had treated some of the family members on that jury. And I had healed them and I had treated them for nothing. You know, so how could you find me guilty? Guilty of what? You know, and it was ridiculous. So, uh, I mean, I said that to the judge that day when, when, they, when they gave me the, the verdict of guilty on all three counts. That's what I said. I screamed it in court. I said, guilty of what? You know, and the jury walked out with their heads all hung down. So let's recap. Here's the case from the point of view of the law. Rick has grown an illegal plant. He has produced an illegal substance, and he has given that illegal substance to other people. 
He claims to have healed sick people and to have produced a cure without having a medical or scientific background himself. Punishment seems in order. For the judge, things aren't that simple. You see, Rick has not made money out of this. He never received but a dime. Instead, everybody who asked received the cannabis oil for free. This, plus the motivation behind the whole venture, gives the judge a major headache. And he said, in my 34 years in the legal system, I've never seen a case like this. There was no criminal intent. I mean, I, I was facing 12 years in jail. The judge only gave me a $2,000 fine. I wasn't even put on probation. This verdict is regarded by many as a slap on the wrist. But Rick doesn't see it this way. He feels that everyone involved just missed the point, that he healed people with this substance. I mean, at that point, I was ready to leave Canada, but the problem was the patients kept coming. So after all this, you just kept going. Growing plants, making cannabis oil. Why? I, I just couldn't turn my back on them. So for almost two years, I was left alone. And then I went to the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, November 2009, to do a lecture. Well, after I did my lecture, a couple of days afterwards, I received word from Canada from my son that my house had been raided again. So it became clear to me that, I mean, where I'd already been through the legal system, well, I'd had to be a first-class idiot to return to Canada. So I decided to stay in Europe and, you know, and just weather the storm if I could. So you were basically stranded in Europe? Where did you go? Uh, I went. I had done a, a speaking tour in October of 2009, the month before, in the Czech Republic. So I went back to the Czech Republic at first, and then, oh God, I went to Croatia, and the next I went to the Ukraine. <laughs> you know, I've been all over these different countries. But where did you live? Did you rent an apartment? How did you support yourself? <laughs> well, <clears throat> believe me, that uh, the first three years I spent in Europe uh, was uh, it was not a very good time. See, I had retired from the system due to my injury, and uh, at that time, I, mean, I had a pension from the hospital that I could draw. So I contacted them, and I had the pension sent to Europe, but it was only, I think, around $600 a month. And uh, there was another guy working with me at the time, and he didn't really have any income, so it was really very hard to exist for the next few years. But in 2012, like I brought out the first, uh, my first book, and slowly as sales built, I mean, that has helped, you know, to support me financially. Rick makes the best of his situation in Europe. In 2012, the Canadian prosecution suddenly drops the charges against him. And after thinking about it for a while, Rick gets on a plane and goes home. Only it doesn't feel like home anymore. At first, I thought it would be nice to return You know, and maybe for a few days it was nice, you know, connecting with old friends and everything again, you know. But but then, you know, in a very short time after being there, I started getting that uncomfortable feeling. I just didn't like, you know, the thought of being there. Did you feel like you were under observation by the police, for example? Well, actually, I was never bothered by any, any police in any way. But there was one cop that came to me looking for a treatment for his daughter. <laughs> but... Uh, You know, at the time, I wasn't in the position. I mean, I, I'd been gone. I hadn't grown any cannabis. I didn't have anything to supply people with. You know, so there really was very little I could do. Although I did, you know, I did advise a lot. A lot of people did come and talk with me about their condition. Rick realizes nothing has changed since he has been gone. The laws are still in place. Medicinal cannabis is only available in some cases and by prescription. And he is especially angry that none of his fellow citizens will stand up for the cause he believes in.
you know, all the people I knew, they all knew this worked. And I used to say, well, surround the politician's office, force them to do something here. Oh, no, they can't do that. So you get all these people that won't stand up for their natural rights. And I, I mean, it was like being in the twilight zone. So um, I was very happy to board that airplane and come back to Europe because uh, I find that people are much more open-minded here, you know, and uh, I think that many people here look at this in a much more sensible manner. In 2013, an activist from Croatia contacts Rick and tells him that the local media is very interested in him and his story. Since moving to Zagreb, Rick has become somewhat of a local celebrity. Activists and journalists from all over the world have contacted him. And he says he even got contacted by a Canadian company who wanted to team up with him to produce medical cannabis. But Rick turned them down. See, I'm, I'm very open with what I learned. And I also knew if I became involved with one of these companies, that anything that I came up with afterwards would be their property, restricted. And I really don't want that. You know, I believe that, you know, that if anybody has information that can help people, especially for medicinal purposes, for God's sakes, give it to them. You know, I mean, why hold it back or expect, a, you know, somebody to pay you a fortune? Do people still contact you for advice? Well, it, I mean, it varies, but, uh, to, you know, I think we can safely say that we would get anywhere from uh, 30 to 50 or 60 emails a day. And you answer all of them. Well, we, we try to. You know, me and my wife, we, you know, we, we work at this together. I mean, people have the impression that I'm some big rich guy that, you know, wanders around the earth, you know, giving lectures. But in truth, that's, there's, no, there's no truth in this. I mean, I don't have any money. You know, we drive a 1990 Toyota, 26 years old. You know, so uh, they have the wrong impression. And, and they seem to think that I'm in charge of some kind of big worldwide network that can supply these extracts to anyone. But, you know, and I get these requests all the time. Well, where can I get the extract? And, I mean, I can't tell them that. But, you know, my story has always been the same. You know, grow your own cannabis, heal yourself. This is as much as I can do. I mean, I, I'm one man. I can't heal the whole damn world. So you have been heavily criticized by people from the medical and scientific community. Some even call you a charlatan. How do you deal with reactions like that? Well, it's, I don't really get that much of it. I mean, now and then I'll hear something like that. But for the most part, it's all positive. And I mean, I've always openly stated at these, these conferences and interviews I do, I'd be happy to prove this to anyone. This is what I've been wanting for years now. You know, let me show me a country where I can go and grow the plants I need. Then let's take, okay, let, let the medical system take 12 patients and I'll take 12 patients. You're 66 years old now. Do you think you will retire at some point? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, travel so much and, and see so much of this world. But, you know, uh, when you're doing that with very little money, and I'm usually on a schedule, so it's, it's always exhausting, you know, when you do this. But uh, it, basically, after, the, after we perfect the medication, I think I would just like to go retire somewhere and quietly grow my cannabis and more or less be left alone. So if you look back on the last 20 years, was it worth it? Well, yes, it was. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I put everything I've ever had into this, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, countless hours. 
But to be honest, I mean, if I hadn't done this, I never could have lived with myself. I mean, how could I sit there in my home and watch friends and neighbors suffer and die when I knew the answer to their problems? I just, I couldn't do it. You know, so I have no regrets. It's cost me a great deal and it's given me a lot of grief, but I have no regrets. If I had to, I'd do the same thing all over. But I really thought that it would never take this length of time. You know, I, I thought really in 2003, I thought within two years, three years, that, you know, that the extracts would be available. And here it is, you know, 13, 14 years later, and we're still climbing that mountain. Rick is not producing cannabis oil anymore. He says he just doesn't have the means or the space to do that in Croatia. He has asked me to tell listeners not to contact him for oil. He doesn't have any. Rick is thinking of leaving the country and starting research with cannabis plants. His dream is to find out exactly which strains cure certain diseases and then pass that information on to the public. His book is called Phoenix Tears, the Rick Simpson story. You can find the link to it on the website www.changedpod.com. This podcast is produced by me, Julia Zipfel. The theme music is The Light by Arshwan. Thank you for listening and I hope you tune in again next time.